Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ned Bellavance, Ned1313 on Twitter, and welcome to the Daily Check-In for January 13th, 2022. It's uh, it's Thursday? Thursday? That, no, that sounds right. It is, in, it is in fact, Thursday. It's, it's felt like a Tuesday because I went out to breakfast this morning, and I usually only go out to breakfast on Tuesdays. But this Tuesday, I just wasn't feeling quite up to it. Had some other stuff going on, so I ended up going on Thursday... And it just, it felt very, it felt like a Tuesday the whole day. But, you know, uh, it's Thursday and that's exciting because the weekend's coming up. Let, let's check in. How you doing? You got anything exciting uh, coming up this weekend? Anything, uh, you going sledding or doing some winter sports? Are you, are you the kind of person who likes to go skiing? Because let me tell you, I do not have the best track record with winter sports. Not really my thing. I tried snowboarding once once and the following day i think that's the most pain i've ever been in across my entire body i mean the most pain i've ever been in was when my appendix burst but short of that this is the most just like general physical exhaustion slash you worked muscles you didn't know you had kind of situation and i never went back and i'm i'm largely okay with that (laughs) Anyway, uh, hopefully you're doing well and you got something cool planned for the weekend. Let's talk about Web3. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about Web3 again. I think I might have mentioned it earlier. Uh, I've gotten a bit more perspective as I've dug into the technology a bit more. I had a really good conversation with someone today. That is, they are deeply in the Web3 space. They're providing infrastructure services for folks that are trying to build something that hooks into the blockchain. And I thought that was a really interesting approach. So what I learned uh, was was stuff I, I like I kind of knew, but uh, he kind of brought it into focus for me, the different types of nodes that you can have on a blockchain network. I knew there were nodes. I knew it was a peer-to-peer distributed ledger, right? A distributed database, sort of like the world's slowest database. But the thing that I didn't realize about it is, there's different node types and they can participate in the network in different ways. But the network itself is built up of all of these nodes together. And one of the things that a company could offer to other companies is a way to host nodes for different blockchains out there. So whether you're interested in hosting a node for Ethereum or you want to do one for Solana, I think was another one that we talked about. They can help you out with provisioning that node, getting it up and running, and keeping it maintained and managed as you use it to participate in the network and get your gas fees or whatever terminology they want to use. Basically, the transaction fee for processing transactions for people who want to do things on that blockchain. I also learned a couple more interesting things about the limitations of Ethereum when it comes to how many transactions it can process per second. The answer is not that 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 many, and that's because of the requirements, at least the way that he explained it. It has to do with the requirements that they pushed for a node to be an active validator node in the network. Because the hardware requirements are so low, it's sort of the lowest common denominator, if I'm understanding that right. I feel like I need to do more reading about that. But then you're talking about Solana, where they require that nodes to be functional on the network need a minimum of 128 gig and a recommended 256 gig of memory. And I'm assuming it's so it can hold the majority of the chain 
in memory as it does these transactions. So Solana can do something like 50,000 transactions per second. So a much faster processing, but not as popular as Ethereum. So I, I guess it's still early days in terms of the technology. I think what's interesting to me is people have talked a lot of pie in the sky, really uh, out there ideas about what's possible through blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFTs, Web3, etc. But what I haven't seen a whole lot of posts about is just the, the brass tacks, what do you actually need to run this stuff? And what's the impact if you're an infrastructure engineer working at a financial institution or if you're a sysadmin who's working at a public cloud or something, or I don't know, somewhere that might host these types of machines. What types of machines should you be bulking up on? For instance, if I was you know, figuring out projections for what to purchase for an Equinix data center for their bare metal service, I might be thinking, hey, blockchain is becoming a pretty big thing, Web3, I'm going to need to purchase this type of bare metal server to accommodate people who want to run Solana. So I need to make sure it's got a minimum of 256 gig memory per node that they want to run. Okay, that's important to know. And I feel like a lot of this is bare metal, which means that bare metal services, something like uh, what it's called Equinix Metal, used to be Packet, now it's called Metal, that's a bare metal service. There's other bare metal services. Vulture, I think, has bare metal available. Um, there, there's a few others out there. So if I am offering bare metal services, uh, that might be one of the requests I start getting pretty often is to have these nodes and then have an image that already has whatever the software is baked into that image or at least uh, a startup script that will get me up and running quickly if that's what I'm interested in. So uh, that part of it was really interesting to me was how the network's going to get built built out by infrastructure engineers. Okay, so that was part of it. And the other part that I didn't really understand, and we got into it a bit, but I feel like I need to read a lot more, is what is this Web3 application? Like, what what is that really? And a lot of it just comes down to writing an application that's capable of interacting on one side with the blockchain or more than one blockchain, and then on the other side is capable of interacting with a traditional account. And the example he kind of gave was, let's say you wanted to use the blockchain as an authentication mechanism for your website. Well, you could write a Web3 app that takes care of the authentication and maybe even some information storage for a customer, and then everything else will still be Web 2.0. So your regular web app will still be there, but when it needs to call out to an authentication service, instead of calling out to Okta or just using username and password that's stored in a database somewhere, instead, hey, why don't we use the person's wallet, their crypto wallet, as their way to identify themselves. And of course, you could use Google authentication or Facebook authentication or whatever, but all of those are reliant on a highly centralized service that's owned by a different platform. I guess the idea here is in a decentralized blockchain platform, I mean, to a certain extent, you own the identity yourself. It's it's your identity. It's your wallet. It's your private keys. So, 
if an application is going to use that as a form of identification, then, you know, to a certain degree, like the password never leaves your side, <laughs> you know, and that's pretty cool. The idea that it's it could be passwordless, it could be a unique ID that's associated with you. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's ways you can generate a token from a token. So it's not even necessarily linked back directly to your primary wallet or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm bringing in some of my vault thinking into this. So that that was an interesting. And then that led me down another avenue of, hey, well, what about identity brokers? People who write these distributed apps that take advantage of the blockchain. Maybe I would just want to write my web 2.0 app and call a library that then calls into one of these other services that handles the authentication for me. Ah, there's a business opportunity there. And that's another type of company that might arise. And that company is going to need infrastructure that's capable of running these Web3 apps that do authentication or whatever, talking to the blockchain, but also have a front-end API that these Web2.0 applications can take advantage of. So <laughs> it really, the, the discussion put a lot of pieces together for me, and we're going to have another longer discussion. This person's going to be a guest on Day 2 Cloud, and that's probably going to air early March. So if this is interesting to you and you want to hear the much larger conversation around Web3 delivery platforms, check it out. It's going to be early March on Day 2 Cloud. That's going to do it for me for today. As always, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every one of you. I hope you're having an okay time out there. Until next time, stay healthy, stay safe out there. Bye for now.